Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we talk with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety Intelligence Platform. Lemley Theaters is a well-known brand in and around Los Angeles for the seven theaters it owns and operates, only it hasn't been doing much operating lately. While theaters are just beginning to reopen nationwide, the exhibition business is still down in the key markets for New York and Los Angeles. To talk about the state of his business in these challenging times, I am joined by the company's CEO, Greg Lemley. Greg, good to have you here. Good to be here, Andrew. Thank you. So how are you and your business holding up under these difficult circumstances? Well, I, I mean, I'm healthy, so I've got that to be thankful for. But uh, no, I mean, businesses, um, <laughs> we're, we're hanging by a thread. Um, and if uh, if we can't reopen at some point relatively soon, it's, it's going to be difficult um, because certain expenses, I mean, we've, you know, certain expenses just continue. Um, we've gotten some reprieve or, or relief on rents, but utilities are still happening. There's still some skeleton staff around. Um, it, it's just, it's hard. You can't shut down entirely. But you have had to let go of most of your staff. Almost entirely within uh, a week, within the week of the notice. And that we should point out, I mean, that amounts to hundreds of people here in Los Angeles. Correct. Yes, we probably had uh, at the time of the shutdown, my recollection is 120 employees and we basically went to four. So as you look at the news, like we all do day to day, I guess you're looking for signs uh, of the pandemic perhaps subsiding in this market, allowing uh, the exhibition and business to come back. Do you feel it's imminent because the latest indications don't look good? Right. Well, uh, I mean, almost from the start, it felt like, oh, you know, based on other countries, this will be a couple months and we'll be able to get back to things. So we've been talking about reopening in May and we've been talking about reopening in June. Um, you know, up until a week ago, we were, you know, potentially opening in the middle of July. Um but, you know, it quickly became apparent that that was not going to happen. Tenant and Mulan moved their dates and a number of other films moved with them. And now we're back to maybe reopening at the end of July, uh, but probably not, if I, you know, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I, I would can concur with your assessment, which leads the hard question. If, you know, we're talking in September about a business that's still not able to reopen, can you hang in there? Um, I guess it perhaps depends on what we're looking at when we look at September. If we're not open in September, but it's definite that we're going to be opening or, or we start feeling really good that we're going to get open in October. Um, I mean, we're all, we're all, you know, we're all grasping for threads um, and so much that's not in our control. So, um, one of the major bumps is just that there has not been a lot of relief for shuttered businesses. The PPP program is great if it's helping you keep staff on while your business is open, but at least as originally constructed, it, um, you know, it did nothing for businesses that had to stay closed. Um, and we were pushed in the direction of the SBA Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, which has not provided any significant funding that I've heard of to, well, certainly not to any small businesses, certainly not to us. Um, 
And you know, for all the talk about the Fed's Main Street program, loan program, it, it really hasn't provided any funding or rolled out at all yet. So, um, so you know, when you talk about trying to get some assistance from you know various government programs to help tide you through some of these typical periods, it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but it's hard to be uh, hopeful. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, and then you know, on the science front, we're all waiting for. Can we get the numbers down? Do people start taking this seriously? Obviously, it's worked in other countries. Uh, why can't we do that here? Um, is the magic bullet going to come through, which is the, the vaccine arrives sooner than we expected, or a treatment protocol, at least, that makes this less deadly? Um, I think people would, you know, run their risk of getting sick if they didn't feel that they were going to die. So we're all hoping for these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, ideally not planning for the worst. Understood. Uh, you know, do you, is there a way, for instance, in terms of cash reserves that you might be able to rely on uh, or any other sort of lifeline you think you'll be able to take advantage of if this, if this continues to persist in the state that it's in? The only lifeline that we have as a company is that we happen to own a lot of our uh, dirt where the theaters are located. Um, so we are taking a look at what options there may be for selling, even in this market. Of course, it means you know, not selling at a great price in many cases. Um, and, and it means that in the long term, those theaters may not be there as part of a reopening. Um, they may not be redeveloped or repurposed right away, but there's no guarantee that the new landlord is going to have the same commitment to maintaining that operation as we do. But it is one of the few uh, reserves that we as a company uh, can look to. So just to clarify, Greg, uh, do you see yourself potentially selling the whole business or are we talking about individual theaters? No, no, I, we, it's not about the whole business. Um, the issue is that we own properties. In theory, we have equity in those properties. If we can convert that equity into cash that we can loan to ourselves to help get us through this process, to get the business through the process, to drag the other properties through this process, that's something we have to consider. So um, we're not selling all our properties, uh, or we're certainly not obligated, but we are maybe looking at what the potential is for each individual property to determine is there a buyer? Is the price fair enough? What does it mean for us if we don't have this property and then potentially that location anymore? But how does it contribute to the business as a whole surviving? Got it. We're not selling the brand. We're not selling all our locations. But um, we, if we have to, that is a source of liquidity that helps get us through by selling one, by selling two. And is there any particular property that you're shopping at this point? <laughs> you can't say? I, I, there is one that is listed publicly, um, but we are privately looking at some of the others. I, I would say there are some that we're not looking at selling. Um, we have uh, obligations on some of these properties with the cities that helped approve the properties that helped get them built. Um, and we intend to fulfill those obligations. Um, I'll leave it at that. Okay. 
So to be clear, though, are you guys actively exploring sale at this point? Is there are you talking to companies that could become owners? Uh, there's no market for people buying movie theaters. Um, you just look at the stock price of publicly traded exhibition companies, and it's kind of clear that there's really not a lot of interest in, in owning, buying into the sector. We're talking to people who are potentially looking at these properties for redevelopment to mixed use or some other, some other business. Um, but if you own the land, could you yourself go down that road, uh, turn these theaters into something else? It's something we've looked at, but it's really not our expertise ultimately. And, uh, um, even the process of redevelopment requires a degree of liquidity, which is difficult to come up with right now. Um, banks are not inclined to cash out, do cash out refinancing. Um, and there are some major changes in the commercial real estate market. So, uh, you know, as, as difficult as it may be, you know, thinking about being the landlord with a movie theater tenant, I'm not sure you want to be a landlord with a, a retail store tenant either. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to know how consumer uh, tendencies are going to change as we come out of this thing. Um, we're all complaining about being locked at home and not being able to get out. Um, some complaining more loudly than others. <laughs> um, you know, and, and talking about a return to normal, but um, this may not be a return to normal kind of situation. Uh, that's obviously saying a lot coming from you. Uh, you know, your family has been in this business for what now, 80 years, more than that. Amazing. And, and so this is more than just a business. This is, this is a family legacy here. That's, that's gotta have a tremendous weight. Is that weighing on you as you figure what your options are? It, it has to, yes, it does. Um, and, and again, look, I, I'm, I'm, I do believe that movie going will return, that people will enjoy the experience. That is, it is different, inherently different from watching a movie at home. Um, but, you know, there's still going to be some changes in numbers. Um, so just like, you know, some people, you know, yeah, of course I go to the supermarket. I love going to the market and touching the food and everything like that and feeling, you know, but during the pandemic, I ordered food online and it was delivered to my house. And you know what? That was really kind of convenient. We don't know where consumers will go, you know, with the things, the changes that they've absorbed during this period. Um, you know, and, and that includes things like uh, video on demand and streaming um, and, and other forms of in-home entertainment. Again, it's not the same as an experience as going to the movies. So uh, from that standpoint, I believe movie going returns, but it, it, it may change uh, and it may be different. But you're also saying that it's possible we are entering, to use your words, a new normal. The, the movie going habits of old may not return. The, the experience that you're describing that is different than watching at home, are you starting to question whether, you know, even if we come back as soon as August, whether we will have seen some sort of permanent change in movie going? I think it's something we need to be uh, looking at. 
and aware of. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the first time it's happened for this company. Um, my grandfather was operating six movie theaters in Los Angeles in the late 40s. And by the early 50s, he was operating one. Um, TV came along. And, uh, you know, many neighborhood movie theaters closed down um, during that period. Movie going did return, um, but it returned differently. Um, Hollywood adjusted the types of films they were making, the release patterns, uh, you know, and a number of other things. And ultimately, we found a cozy relationship, in fact, with the, uh, the new form of in-home entertainment. It provided a revenue source. Um, but during that period of transition, it gets ugly. How does what you're dealing with now stack up? Is it just as bad? Is this the, the greatest challenge you could say that your family business has, has faced in its history? Uh, <laughs> um, well, it sure feels like the greatest challenge we faced. Um, in, in large measure, the speed in which it came upon us and the complete nature of it. Um, you know, we were showing movies on 9-11 just because we felt that there were people that needed to get out of the house. We stayed open through the Rodney King riots and the earthquakes. Um, we've never been closed. And now we've been closed for four months, uh, coming up on four months. It's just, you know, it's, um, it's big. No question about it. And I think, I'm curious, you know, you guys obviously occupy a, a unique niche in the market with art house film. Uh, do you think there's something about art house film that it makes it more or less vulnerable than what's going on at, say, bigger chains? Um, no, I'd like to think that the art house audience very much appreciates um, the unique nature of the movie going experience. And, um, and in many cases, a lot of the smaller distributors and these smaller films are being squeezed out on some of the streaming platforms as everybody builds their own platform and owns their own content. All of a sudden, they're not interested in acquiring, you know, other content. Um, so I'd like to think we're well positioned. Um, and we just tend to be survivors. I mean, uh, you know, just in the same way that in other economic downturns, it is the small businesses, the family businesses that survive and the chains that go out. It is the, the vinyl record store that survives when, uh, you know, the, the, the big music store goes out, same with bookstores. So I, I think from that standpoint, I'd like to think we're well positioned. Um, but it may be that, uh, no, this is going to be the only films that really make sense in theatrical are the blockbuster films, the big, the Marvel pictures. And that's where the audience is going to be for theatrical going forward. And, and my audience has migrated to a place where they can potentially find more obscure films. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, understandable. But, you know, when we talk about art house, we can't ignore the fact that as you well know, what we've seen in recent years is that the streaming services like Netflix have flooded the zone, uh, putting out lots of movies that are certainly, I think, just beginning to impact the exhibition window to the point where you got to wonder whether that window is going to hold much longer. So have you seen that as a, a, a whole other threat? Well, it, it's potentially a threat, um, but some of it depends on how those, those services change their attitudes towards the theatrical window. We have worked with Netflix. We played Roma. We played 
marriage story. We played um, uh, the Scorsese film. Um, so I think there's an opportunity to perhaps push them in a direction of saying that, yes, as much as we want to debut these films on our platform, we don't want to deny both the audience an opportunity to see them in a the theatrical setting and our filmmakers who have, in fact, made these films for a theatrical market um, and for that setting. So I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a comfort in the success we've had with some of those things and hope that other services will uh, consider that simultaneous uh, prospect of allowing the films both theatrically to play. It's going to change the window. There's no question. Um, but that doesn't mean that theatrical can't um, have a place in that environment for the people that prefer that experience. And I think it goes back to what you were saying. It's that experience. I, I, I think, well, I think you still maintain an optimistic hope that there is always going to be room for the communal experience in theaters. Do you feel that, uh, you know, the physical plant, uh, the infrastructure that you bring to the table has to improve, has to be upgraded? Because that's always been a, a big trend in recent years as theaters try to give a value add to audiences that have a lot to watch at home, too. Yeah, no, look, the, the physical aspect of it is important, whether that's reclining seats, whether that's dine-in, uh, that's not where we're choosing to go But uh, as a company. But you still do need, I mean, you know, it needs to be comfortable, it needs to be clean. Um, you know, the image of the art house theater as the rundown place with the surly staff, I mean, that's not going to, you know, <laughs> that's not going to work. Right. Well, maybe the surly staff, I don't know. <laughs> You know, we should also talk about the virtual cinema business that has sort of blossomed in this pandemic moment. Uh, talk about what you guys have done on that front. Well, as we were shutting down, a couple of distributors, A, wanted to help, and B, also were caught in a situation where their films were now shut out of theatrical. And, um, you know, we quickly, not we, but sort of as a consortium, quickly cobbled together the idea of, uh, promoting a premium TVOD um, under the label of virtual cinema with the idea that the movie theaters were going to promote these films to their audience and there would be some sharing of revenue that was collected by the, uh, by the platform providers to help get theatrical through this. Um, we provide an important role for smaller distributors who tend to not have the market, do not have the marketing budgets that the major studios have. So they really do rely on their partners in exhibition to help with promotion. So it seemed like a natural fit. Um, so within, within 10 days of the uh, theatrical shutdown, we had launched, we had repurposed our website, turned it around so that we could promote films that were available on premium VOD, transactionally. Um, it has not replaced theatrical revenue, certainly not for us, and importantly, not for our distributors either. Um, but it has allowed us to stay in contact with our patrons during this period, you know, in a discussion about film, which is of course what's, what we're about, um, is provided a revenue stream for distributors. Um, and we, again, not what they were hoping for, but still something. Um, and maybe it points the way towards a future, um, certainly, you know, in a reopened environment, if there is no vaccine and there's no treatment protocol, there will be a certain segment of the audience 
that is not comfortable returning to movie theaters. So is there an opportunity to um, have films available simultaneously in theatrical and on video on demand, again, with a revenue share to the exhibitor for agreeing to you know, participate in that kind of experiment, so to speak. So it sounds like you think, you know, even in the best case scenario where, you know, let's say you're able to open your business again in a month or so, do you think this virtual cinema model still has a place at the table in that future? I do think there's a place in the future for, uh, for virtual cinema, um, whether it's a simultaneous thing because people are afraid, whether it's uh, a quick window shortly after theatrical ends. Um, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, in the past when we were open and a film uh, ended its engagement too soon and the people that are saying, oh, I missed that one. How do I get to see it? To be able to say, there, it's on our web, you know, click on this link and you can watch it at home. Um, it, it's almost like the move over house um, or the, you know, the, the holdover run for a film that got pushed out of theatrical too quickly. So, um, yeah, I do think there's going to be some continuation of that. Um, what shape exactly it takes is, you know, to be determined. Got it. Yeah. Obviously we, we don't know how this, this story is going to play out. You, you mentioned the possibility of a sale. We should mention also that last year you did put the business up for sale only to withdraw that. Uh, would you rethink that at this point? I mean, could you, if you had a do over, I prefer not to be a Monday morning. <laughs> I mean, I, look, obviously it's a very, it was a, you know, we made what we thought was the right decision at the time. It turned out to be uh, uh, not so, so not such a great decision. Um, but um, what are you going to do? And you also were looking at opening an eighth uh, venue, correct? Yes. We're, we're finishing construction on a new theater in, uh, this uh, town of the neighborhood of New Hall, which is part of the city of Santa Clarita. It's in North Los Angeles County. So it's basically finished uh, at this point, And we're just now waiting for word about when we can open. Okay. Uh, in the event though, where that and other theaters won't open again, are, are there, whether it's through your own business or through a new owner, are there particular kinds of businesses that, theater architecture lend themselves to? I just don't know how, what, 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 what else do theaters become if not theaters? Well, uh, yes. I mean, uh, speaking hypothetically, right. Movie theaters have been converted to retail stores. Um, you know, go to, uh, on sunset Boulevard in, in echo park, there's the Mohawk bend, which is a bar or a brew pub. Um, that's in the, uh, you know, the, basically the auditorium at all movie theater. So, um, you know, if you've grown up in, well, in almost any town, you, you can go around and see, oh, that's an old movie theater. Now it's a, now it's a gap. Now it's a gap exists. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a bookstore. It's a this, it's a that, uh, it's a church. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that movie theaters are repurposed into. Uh, but again, in many cases, it may be that they're just torn down. Um, a lot of our, Locations happen to be close to transit and um, the future, you know, transit oriented development, mixed use with, uh, you know, ground floor retail and residential above may be the kind of thing that, you know, is going to, be, we're going to see more of. Um, 
we're only just at the very beginning of, of what's going on with our economy um, and, and the changes that the, the pandemic is going to um, uh, rip, the, 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 that will ripple through our economy because of the pandemic. What is the future of office uh, space? Uh, you know, it, the list is endless. Yeah. Well, as you look more broadly, though, in a scenario where the pandemic is with us many more months than we want to admit, and you look more broadly across the movie exhibition business, how much do you think it could shrink? How, could it go away entirely? I mean, how do you see it? Well, uh, not to defer on our specific situation, but you know, I, there is a conversation about large circuits that are going bankrupt. Uh, you know, it's, AMC has most prominently been featured, but I, I don't think that there's others that might not shortly, you know, be right in line behind them, depending on how much longer this takes. Um, in many cases, that's just a, a start to a reorganization that has those same businesses start up more or less the same number of locations, um, just with a new financial structure. Um, but... Uh, long term, if the movie footprint of the movie business is going to shrink, I, I don't know. You know, if you're a mall owner and you've got, you know, what's your bigger problem? You know, making a new deal with the movie theater tenant who at least can reopen, albeit at less rent, or trying to find somebody to replace the, you know, the J.C. Penney, which occupied in, in many cases a lot more space. Um, and, and as a business that may not be coming back. 2020, I'm curious, what did it look like for you before this all hit? Were, were you in a good place? Because I know some of the previous years you took your lumps. Right. No, 2019, 2018 was terrific, although certainly towards the end of 2018, things went into a bit of a spin, especially in the art house uh, sector. Uh, but at, towards the tail end of 2019, we had some success, which of course led to us to to decide to, to, to take a, the company off the table and stay in business. Um, the Oscar season was shorter this year, which hurts the box office. Um, uh, but, you know, look, we had a, uh, you know, we second highest grossing foreign language film of all time, perhaps, with Parasite, winning the best picture for, for the Oscars. I mean, that's a great thing uh, for the art house business. Um, and we were very hopeful. There were some films coming up, films from Wes Anderson, that were on the release schedule, a new film from Armando Iannucci, uh, you know, some other uh, returning uh, directors with, with which look like, you know, good, high quality uh, films. Um, it's, it's turned into, well, obviously it's turned into what it's turned into. Um, the fact that so many, a number of films have at least pushed back their release date, so they're still available. We're still gonna get Mulan in theaters we're still going to get Black Widow in theaters. We're still getting A Quiet Place 2 in theaters. So that's a positive. Yes, there have been some films that jumped the gun and just went straight to, to VOD, bypassing theatrical. But I, I feel that if we can get back open, we're going to see a lot of product in 2021 uh, and a lot of pent-up demand for movie going. And even if the economy is soft, movie going historically has been a counter-cyclical business. Um, you know, people out of work but, and, and not having a lot of money, but they'll find a way to get to the movies because it, it takes them out of their life. Um, we've always functioned in that way. Um, will there be a 
pause at some point because of the delay in production, you know, that remains to be seen. But production is ramping back up. Um, and certainly on the art house side, I'm very curious to see what, you know, creativity filmmakers have put to use during this period to make movies, even with the limited resources at their disposal. Um, you know, I mean, we're doing this remotely. Uh, there's almost no reason why you can't shoot uh, an actor in a room remotely as well. Yeah. I think we'll see some interesting innovation there and, Look, I hope uh, we're having this conversation again soon and, and things look better. Uh, I, I wish you the best and hope that uh, this uh, plays out well for your business. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And thanks for taking time. Wear a mask. It makes a difference. Indeed. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. 